Welcome to the Kingstonian, a program that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the program. My name is Dave Cunningham, and we're very pleased to have with us today a veteran, legendary Kingston radio broadcaster, now retired, Jack Thompson. Is he here, too? (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm fine, David Cunningham. It's so nice to see you, and so nice to have this invitation to come in to to you and your friends, and uh, just to, uh, I think just seeing you is bringing back some great memories for me. You and I worked together mm-hmm. at CKWS yeah. a million years ago. Yeah, I remember those years, and I should I tell them the date? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go over some dates here. Oh, okay. All right. 52 years in radio. That's right. Yeah, That's 52 wild. years. It went very quickly. You probably have played more discs, mentored more broadcasters, and made more friends on the radio than anybody else I know. I have been discovering this over the years, that that's exactly what has happened. Uh, 52 years traveled very quickly. Uh, mentoring other announcers, that showed up in some of the Facebook messages I get back for birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> <laughs> Jack Thompson, is he still alive? And uh, I run into people that I had uh, worked with at one time and saying, Someone told me that you had passed away. (laughs) And I said, well, sometimes I feel that way. (laughs) I get up in the morning. Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning. Okay. So the beginning was in New Glasgow, Nova Scotia. C-K-E-C. It was a station I had listened to as a a young teenager and wanted to get into radio because I had listened to CFCY in Charlottetown. I come from a small coal mining town in Nova Scotia. It, at least it was a coal mining town. They don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to go into the coal mines, but I really enjoyed listening to the radio. I thought, well, maybe I should do something like that. So when the opportunity came up, I found out there was an opening at the radio station. It was a morning show. I went in and told the owner that I was interested in applying for the job. He said, why do you think you'd like to do this? And I said, well, I just thought I'd like to. I'd listened to radio all my life. And he said, okay, go upstairs and do the audition. It's a good thing I had friends mm-hmm. in the studio <laughs> upstairs <laughs> because they handed me news sheets. They tear off the sheets and they said, read this. Right. Introduce this. Read this commercial. And thinking back how that must have sounded then. I don't know who made the decision to hire me, but <laughs> and I got did. I got the morning show, and I had never been in radio before, and I got to be able to do a morning show. So, for those people who may not be aware, yeah. in commercial radio, the morning show is the top end. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, It was a place where you want to attract people first thing in the morning, start their days, get the mood set for them, and they'll stay with you, hopefully, for the rest of the day. In those Mm days, um, husband worked, wife looked after the children. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was in the early 60s. Right. And so we had a lot of uh, homemaker shows on the air and things like that. It was uh, a small community station, which doesn't exist anymore, by the way. They shut it down. They turned it into an FM. But, um, yeah, it's, it started there. Now, if you want to make a name for yourself in radio, 
it seems like you have to move around a lot mm-hmm. to get to prestigious stations. Mm-hmm. Now, as I was examining your CV and looking at all the stations you've worked at, <laughs> it appears to me that in the first five or six years, you had moved five or six times. Yes. Uh, so explain to the audience the process or the decision-making that goes into uh, making all those moves. Okay. It was um, uh, – it, it's like um, not knowing how this business worked. And they told me if I moved, I would make more money. Okay. That was the first thing because I wasn't making very much money. Seems like a good incentive. That was a good incentive, yes. And it allowed me to move away from mom and dad. You know, I was living at home. <laughs> and they were happy when I said I was leaving <laughs> in in a way. And I moved to Bathurst, New Brunswick, primarily French-speaking area, mm-hmm. Nouveau Brunswick, and worked in a station that had both English and French, my first exposure to the French language. Okay. It's right, c- quite close to the Quebec border. And uh, I was there. I did the afternoon and evening shift. And I was also the music director, uh, which meant I opened the 45s and decided what, was, what to be played in the charts. Right. Uh, from there, I had a chance to move on to uh, Smith's Falls through uh, an Ottawa announcer, and uh, he worked at CKOY, and he gave the tape to the program director at CKOY, and they passed it on to CJET in Smith's Falls. Right. And that was in uh, the winter of 1964, and I was there for almost a year, and I decided to move north to North Bay. And did both the morning show and television, because the opportunity to do TV came Mm -hmm. up. After doing that for a short time, I met a young lady. Uh, We got married, and we moved to Sault Ste. Marie. And from there, I did the morning show, and I did television. (laughs) (laughs) And then I moved to Kingston in 1969. Now, you spent a couple of years at each of those places yeah. we've just talked about. Yeah. And then you moved to Kingston. And although you did shift around from station to station, yeah. you've stayed here for well, close to 50 years? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, was, I think I'm 47, 48 years in right. Kingston now. Yeah. Now, what drew you to Kingston? Was it just the fact that there was more money involved in the, in the opportunity? Firstly, there was more money in the job. It was the morning show, which I wanted to do in southern Ontario. The weather uh, was a whole lot better, and I had an uncle that lived here with uh, his children, and I knew that family very well. And I was familiar with Kingston, having lived in Smith Falls, and Kingston was uh, attractive to us. And my intention was not to stay. Mm -hmm. It was strictly to be here two years and move on. Now, I, I don't know where I was on the web, but I found a poster that had been produced by CKLC back in 1970. <laughs> so there's a picture of you, mm-hmm. Gary Parr, yep. Gary Shannon, yep. Ted Hockaday. Yes. Uh, that was the announcement. Con yeah, there was Stevenson yeah. and Ross Jerry Watton. Ross Watton. Yep. Uh, Jerry Retzer. Uh, Con Stevenson was the news director. Jerry Ritzer was in, in news. Uh, Ted Ockaday was middays. I was mornings. Gary Parr was afternoons and also music director. Who did I leave out? Ross was also sports. Gary Shannon was after Shannon Gary did Parr. the – yeah, he came in later. Right. Yeah, he came in at – he did the evening rock and roll. Now, when I was going to Queens mm-hmm. and when I wasn't involved in CFRC, that was a crowd I remember from uh, the days of listening to radio in town. 
Yeah, that would have been uh, the big L, the big LC was yeah. known as the Rocker, and uh, it was the first radio station I had worked in in my career that played rock music uh, from afternoon right into the evening mm-hmm. and exploring new material. Gary Parr had a show. Um, I, I, as I sit here, I can't think of the name of it, but uh, different strokes. Okay, the same as the television. Show. Right, and he was able to uh, take new albums and. And introduce them sample to them on the yeah, air. sample them on the air, and I uh, admired him because he had such a great knowledge of music, and he had the ability to pick hits. And in those days, it was CKWS AM and CKLC AM that were yeah. the two stations fighting for the most listeners. Yeah, to get the most listeners into there. Yeah, and and we, it was a friendly battle. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I think it's still going on today, but not as bad as it was back then. <laughs> now, after you had been at CKLC for a while, you sort of moved over across the street, as it were, to CKWS. WS, yeah. And that's where you and I started working. Yeah. Together. I had the opportunity. The program director for CFMK was leaving, and uh, I, I don't know how I got the found out, but uh, I went and auditioned mm-hmm. for that job, and I got that job. And you and I worked together right. at that time. That was very enjoyable. Yeah, it, it put me into a different uh, perspective of who I was and what I was doing with my life in radio. Right. Completely different than what I, my background had given. Now, after that, you ended up going back to CKLC. Yeah, I stayed for, uh, I think, five years. And the, uh, uh, the opportunity to get into sales uh, was made available to me. And again, more money (laughs) (laughs) and a comfortable position. And I knew all the people I was going to be working with. And I went back uh, uh, May of 1984 and went back to CKLC and CFLY and represented their sales department up until 2007. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, you alluded to it earlier, and we had talked about the fact that in your early career, you had moved around quite a bit from town to town to uh, give yourself the opportunity to make more money as well as improve your uh, abilities as an announcer. You 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 end up in Kingston, and even though you're doing some shuffling from station to station, you stayed in the city. What is it about this city that you like? I believe that it offered uh, me as a family man a place for my children to grow up safely. Uh, It was uh, just the right size for that kind of thing. I'm thinking now as to why I stayed. I had purchased a house after being here for about a year, decided that if I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to stay for a while. And I'm still living in that house. Hmm. I'm still there. Um, My children have grown up. Uh, they have gotten their education here, uh, Queen's University, uh, Algonquin College in Ottawa for one of my girls. Uh, they now have their own children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're all here. I'm here with my, my children and my grandchildren. So I guess I'm here to stay. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be popular for you to move, I don't <laughs> no, think. No, I don't think so. It would be tough. <laughs> Let's talk about radio more generally. Okay. Uh, You've been involved or had been involved in radio for over 50 years. Mm -hmm. What is it that you like about radio, about Uh, being in radio? uh, It gave me a sense of purpose. Uh, It gave me uh, a feeling that uh, is there something that I can can do that I'll be proud of? Uh, Those kind of things 
that might be part of the answer. There's probably a lot of things in there. I enjoy performing. Uh, uh, I have an ego that has to be fed, like most of us in radio. And I found that radio and television did that. Radio mostly mm-hmm. had a chance to come in and sit down in my jammies and do the show. You know, <laughs> I didn't have to dress up and put makeup on. Uh, with television, I was writing for TV. I did some uh, production and had written for a show, and I hosted. Uh, and I found that uh, very, very stressful, where in radio I didn't get that feeling of stress. And I enjoyed music, uh, playing music for other people. And with that enjoyment, I was able to come in to work early in the morning and come back home at night and say, I can't wait to get back the next day. I, I got that much enjoyment out of it. So I think that... Um, uh, those kind of things help me. Yeah. Now, with radio, there isn't the facial recognition that you would get with television. Mm. But from time to time, and I've experienced this once in a while, is that you will mention your name in some particular uh, situation, and people will say, did you used to work on the radio? And, <laughs> and they thought it was like two or three years ago when it was 22 or 23 years ago. That kind of recognition that you get after the fact when you realize that, someone remembers you from way back when. Yeah. Uh, one thing that stands out, the fact that they may not recognize me, but they'll recognize my voice. Um, before telephones had the ID, mm-hmm. I would call. Like I, I'm Jack Thompson. I've been Jack Thompson all my life, but I was born John. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was John, who was called Jack. And that's where we got that. So I would call if I wanted to make a complaint to the photography department of some store, I would say, this is John Thompson speaking. <laughs> yeah. And they say, just a minute, Jack, hold on. <laughs> I, I couldn't get away with too much. <laughs> my approach to making the uh, – my attitude toward making the complaint softened oh, yeah. immediately. <laughs> and your attempt at, at trying to be <laughs> – Much more diplomatic. <laughs> Didn't work. No. Any particular experience – from your time in radio that sort of stands out? I know that uh, radio people tend to get involved in a lot of um, community causes because they are perceived as being a venue to promote the cause, and sometimes the individual will be a part of the actual event, emceeing or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any particular situation come to mind that stands out? Yep. Muscular dystrophy. Okay. Uh, I think when you and I were working together, I ended up going down to Watertown on Channel 7 and being the Canadian host representing the local fire department here in Kingston, uh, along with firefighters from Kingston. And we went down to raise money for MD. Did that for a number of years. And then they decided that they wanted the Canadian donations to stay in Canada. That wasn't the case when we were going to Watertown. So we uh, did the show out of Toronto, out of Global in Toronto, from the York, Royal York Hotel. And uh, I had a chance to work with, again, Kingston firefighters and going down working with a lot of great people in the uh, on the global TV. And it was always for MD. Mm-hmm. Later came Cerebral Palsy. And those fundraisings took me into CJOH in Ottawa and places like that. So I did a lot of telethons. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I was raising money for these concerns, I was approached by the CNIB, and I became the president or chairman of the district. And then after 10 years, I was approached by Anguanada 
hospital at that time. It's called Anguanada Resource Center now. And I became a member of their board mm-hmm. 20, 25 years ago. And you're still a member. I'm of still board. a member, and that seems like a long time for someone to be a member of a board. Twenty five years. It's it's quite lengthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm vice president this year, and um, I, I think that we have to be voted in. Right. I shouldn't say I think. We I know we have to be voted in. We have to accept uh, whether we're going to continue on on a on a two to three year term. Mm-hmm. And I'm into my over twenty five now. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm getting close to my t- tenure. Time to get out. <clears throat> now, one of the things that uh, we should probably spend a little time talking about, and you're the perfect person to ask uh, this question too, and that's changes in Kingston Radio. Yeah, going back to your first opportunity, which was what sixty nine, I think, when you arrived in town. Yeah, and. Like we said before, the two AM stations were yeah. vying for top spot. But right now, there's a third operation in town, and you've been at that particular operation as well. Yeah. And what about the, the changes technically in terms of AM stations are gone? Yeah, AMs are the uh, frequencies are being used by other media. Uh, cell phones maybe are using some of that. I don't know what, how they use it. So that's not my background. But uh, it's strictly FM and digital radio. Mm-hmm. Seems to be on the rise. Uh, that's a that's a big change, and and I think the other big major change, like everything in the media, whether it's uh, radio or newspapers, is the um, the buying up of all the mom and pop operations across the country, where you have a huge uh, conglomerate uh, buying a local radio station, investing in it, changing everything that's that's inside the station. It's no longer. Uh, the same, um, uh, what's, what would you say, the same world that we, right. we knew when we were there. The three operations in town are owned by three conglomerates. Yeah, yep. exactly. And they're, they're huge. And they're being operated uh, out of different cities, not necessarily here in the city of Kingston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but, there's a lot of automation <clears throat> going on as well. Much. And it's hard to tell because it, the software is is done so well. I could record a show, <laughs> and, and this I, I retired in 2013. I was recording uh, the last hour of my show because my contract said I had to be on the air, so I, w- I had permission to record it. And to do an hour show took uh, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. 10 to 15, depending on what I was going to be doing. The music was chosen by someone else. Right, and, and that just, still goes on. And yeah. that still goes on. Yep. Mm. What about the, the conflict between satellite radio and mm-hmm. – uh, I guess we can't really call it local radio anymore because it is run from usually the big city. But satellite radio seems to be a big player in the marketplace these it, days. It is getting stronger. And I, I, when it first arrived, I didn't care much for it myself. But uh, I was true blue terrestrial radio. <laughs> that was a thing. Satellite radio comes along and offers you um, – programs that you otherwise wouldn't get locally. Mm-hmm. And also when you're traveling a lot, you can take your program with you anywhere you want, say in North America. And here you're, you can hear CBC. You can hear uh, any station that is uh, connected to the uh, Internet through satellite. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it offers something that local radio couldn't do. Now, I should probably uh, go back and clarify something. I said that the three stations in town were owned by conglomerates. Mm-hmm. There is a fourth entity, and that's the entity we're on right now. <laughs> CFRC. <laughs> which is owned locally. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, uh, which I just discovered 
uh, by your information right. to me. I didn't realize. I wonder how many people know that. That's right. Yeah, we've talked about that before on the air, and the yeah. fact that people assume that because the station is on the Queen's campus that it's owned by Queen's. Yeah. And it hasn't been for a while, mm-hmm. and it's an independent nonprofit that happens to be located here. But uh, I find, uh, and I've mentioned this before, when I was a student, I was involved in this station way back when. Uh, students dominated, but now there is a, there are quite a few members of the community who do programs on this station, and I think that's a positive, and it gives I think so. the community yeah. an outlet. Yeah. yeah, We are getting close to the end of the program today. Yeah. Thanks very much for dropping by. I've enjoyed the conversation. It was oh, great. I did too. Thanks, David. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.